Let's praise Jesus right now. It's good to see you here on this Thanksgiving uh, weekend. I hope that you had a, an enjoyable time with your family this past week. It's great to get family together during the Thanksgiving holiday, isn't it? Yeah, we had a uh, we had all of Jenny's family over uh, for uh, Thanksgiving dinner, and it was just a great time. I think we were talking about the fact that it was just a particularly good time this year. I don't know what made it so special, but we just had a had a great time. Well, since it is the Thanksgiving holiday weekend, would you uh, care to guess what I'm going to be speaking about today? Any guesses? Christmas. Amen. Now I'm going to be talking. We're going to talk about uh, Thanksgiving. Being thankful. You know, this is the time of year we set aside one time a year to kind of highlight Thanksgiving. We should be thankful 365, right? But we have this season where we particularly think about being thankful. And I think sometimes you probably, if you're like me, you probably uh, ask people this question, you know, what are you most thankful for? Maybe you do that uh, during your Thanksgiving holiday meal. Maybe you go around the table and everybody says what they're most thankful for. Um, you know, if you're like me, you probably answer with questions. Uh, I'm thankful for my family, my spouse, my kids, sometimes. <laughs> I'm looking at my son over here, that's why I said that. You know, God uh, God has given me such a wonderful wife and such great kids and loving parents. I'm thankful for this country we live in where we still have the opportunity to worship freely the God that we love and serve just as we are this morning. I'm thankful for this church. I'm thankful for you because, you know, you are my family. I have so many great friends here that are so special to me. Some of you are closer to me than I am to many of my uh, relatives. You are my family. You've celebrated with me during my times of success, and you've mourned with me during my own personal tragedies. And I just, I just thank God for you. You know, God has blessed us all in so many ways, and we have so many reasons to be thankful. You know, Paul says in um, uh, Thessalonians, he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Being thankful to God. Thanking God for what He's done and what He is doing in our lives all day long, every day. That's the will of God. It's a good thing to do, but it's the will of God, isn't it? And you know, when, we, when we're thankful for what God is doing in our lives and doing in our circumstances, we're acknowledging the fact that God is in control of those circumstances. That's just the truth. That's believing and behaving the truth because God is in control of all of our circumstances. You know, I know many of your stories here today. And I know that there's good things happening in some of your lives. And I know there's some really bad things happening in some other lives. But no matter what the circumstances are, God's in control. He never loses control. And His desire is that we would thank Him for all of those circumstances, because they're all for His glory and all for His purpose. And so, today I want to uh, just remind you of some reasons to be thankful. Reasons to be thankful. You know, we're going to look at a 
familiar story from John chapter 4. Uh, and in that story, uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, two or three specific reasons to be thankful. Um, you already know what I'm going to say. There's nothing I'm going to say that you probably haven't heard a hundred times. But it's good to be reminded, especially this time of year. Because it's so easy for us to get caught up in the holiday routine and the rush and the hustle and the bustle. And it's so easy for us to forget to be thankful. You know, our, our, the routine of our lives can take the, take the profound things of God and make them seem so mundane. And so my desire today is to just remind you of some reasons to be thankful. No matter what your circumstances are, no matter what you're going through, you have reason to be thankful. Um, and when I'm talking to you, I'm talking to myself too. I'm going to say you a lot, but when I say you, I mean me. Because <laughs> I've been thinking about this this past couple weeks, reasons to be thankful. Hey, before we get to John chapter 4, I want to start at the beginning. And I think one primary reason to be thankful is that Jesus Christ is the creator of all that exists. Amen? Amen. And, you know, let's not forget that. From Him all life begins. Everything we know, everything we comprehend, it all emanates from Him. It's easy to forget that, but, you know, this time, especially this time of year, uh, Pastor Steve was talking about uh, the, the holiday season, the services coming up and things. And it's easy for us this time of year to think about Jesus as that little baby in the manger. But let me remind you of something right now. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the ruler of all that is. And He's the creator of everything that exists. Genesis 1.1 says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that word God there is the plural word Elohim. It means God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. United in plan and purpose and essence, God. God created the heavens and the earth. Jesus Christ was intimately involved in the creation of the heavens and the earth. In um, John, First John, I mean, uh, John chapter 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's he talking about there? Who? Jesus. That's right. He says, everything was made by Him, and through Him was not anything made. Jesus Christ. Paul writes in Colossians that He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, rulers, or authorities, all things were created by Him and for Him, and He is before all things. And in Him, all things hold together. Jesus Christ is the Creator of everything that exists, and in Him, all things are held together. He is the Creator. Now, if you will indulge me for just a couple of minutes, you really have no choice because I'm talking, right? 
But I want to just kind of paint a picture of just what that really means. When we say Jesus created everything, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to comprehend, and we may not comprehend today what that means, but I want us to try to wrap our minds around what that is. So I'm going to give you some, some big numbers right now. On the screen, you're going to see a picture. This is a photo that was taken by the Hubble telescope, and if you see all of those little dots and all those lights and all those shapes of various sizes, each one of those is a galaxy. Astronomers estimate that there are some 100 billion galaxies in the universe. 100 billion galaxies. I mean, I can't even think of that number. It's a one with 11 zeros behind it. That's how many galaxies exist. Jesus created that. The Milky Way. The Milky Way is the galaxy that we live in. Our solar system lives in. And this is the artist rendering of the Milky Way galaxy. And you know what's interesting about that? Is if you went from, if you decided to take a trip across the Milky Way and went from one end of the galaxy to the other, that distance is 100,000 light years across. Just our galaxy, 100,000 light years across. A light year is equal to 5.9 trillion miles. So the distance from one end of the Milky Way to the other is, get this, 590 quadrillion miles. Quadrillion miles. That's 590 with 15 zeros after it. Jesus created that. The Milky Way is one galaxy among 100 billion galaxies, and it's 590 quadrillion miles across. And the sun is one star in the Milky Way galaxy. And if you were to travel from one end of the sun to the other, through it, not around the outside, but through it, the diameter of the sun is 865,000 miles diameter straight through it. If the sun were hollow, it would take one million earths to fill up the sun. You take one million earth-sized planets, would fill up the sun. And the sun is one star among a hundred billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, which is one galaxy among 100 billion galaxies in the universe. Jesus created that. In Him all things have been made, and He holds all things together. I can't. Does that just blow your mind? I mean, I can't even. I can't even think about that now. Why am I telling you this? Well, in the midst of all that creation and all of that power, Jesus took time out to create one more thing. You. He created you. And when I talk to you this morning, I want you to draw a circle around yourself. I'm not talking to your mom, your dad, your husband, your wife, your brother, your sister. I'm talking to you. Let the Holy Spirit remind you of this truth. David said in Psalm 139, he said, You've knit me together in my mother's womb. You realize that that little glob of goo that started out as you, <laughs> you know, all the cells were the same and suddenly one decided to become a I and another was a, 
liver and another was a toe and another was a finger. That's God knitting you together in your mother's womb. Specifically determining who you are. He gave you life and He gave you a universe to live in. Everything you know, everything you touch, everything you smell, everything you hear, everything you taste, everything you feel, everything you have, think you have control over, it's a result of His handiwork, His plan, and His purpose. Well, that's something to be thankful for. What do you, what do you say to that? What do we say to that right now? You know, the words thank you don't seem to be enough, do they? Wow. Well, gee, Claude, thanks for that science lesson. What's your point? Well, my point is this. Isaiah, God says in the book of Isaiah, He says, Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Those are some pretty big numbers we just, we just discussed, we just looked at. We live in a big universe. Jesus Christ created that. And yet, think about it, the Creator of all that is came to us. The story of the Gospel. God sent His only begotten Son to us. He came to earth as a human man. He came to visit me, and He came to visit you. And He holds all things together, but He takes the time to come and be with us. There's a quote I love. It says, He was hung on a cross that was made of wood yet made the hill on which it stood. He came to us, didn't He? Those words, thank you. My goodness. That's one big reason to be thankful today. Jesus Christ, the Creator of all that is, created you. Now, not only did Jesus come to visit us, but He on purpose interacts with us. And that's what I want us to see in John chapter 4. And this is a story that I'm sure you're familiar with. And it reveals some truth about us and truth about Jesus Christ. And I think it gives us some additional reasons to be thankful. This story in John 4 is a historical account of a day in the life of Jesus when he met a woman from Samaria. And I think that we can see ourselves in this story because just as the um, connection that Jesus had with this woman in this moment, in this conversation he had with her that transformed her life, I think many of us in this room have been transformed by Jesus Christ in the same way. So let's read John chapter 4. It's on your um, handout notes there. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get that living water? 
Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Let's drop down to verse 25. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Wow, this this passage is so full of good stuff. I mean, we could spend several weeks camped out right here and not scratch the surface. You know, in the last couple of weeks as I, I've been reading through this passage and studying through this passage, I came up with ten different sermon ideas, and I'm sure uh, that's just a start. But for our purposes today, I just want us to focus on two or three reasons for us to be specifically thankful today. We're going to talk about being thankful today. John 4 focuses its attention on how sinful and blind and clueless we are. And how gracious and loving and respectful and glorious Jesus is. I mean, He is. It shows our woeful, mournful, sinful condition so that it can display to us the glorious, awesome power of the gospel so that we will feel and believe it is wonderful as it really is. Because until I know I'm a sinner, I don't realize I need a Savior. And that's really kind of the story here in this passage. But ultimately, John 4 is about Jesus. It's not about the Samaritan woman or the disciples or the townspeople or anything like that. It's about Jesus Christ and how He came to us to offer Himself to us as that gift for our salvation. And from this passage, I think we can really see the truth that without Jesus, we are just clueless. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm clueless a lot of times. But I thank God He comes to me anyway. He says to this woman, Ma'am, I can give you living water. And she says, but you don't have a bucket. She was totally clueless. She missed the point. And we so often miss the point. But He comes to us anyway, doesn't He? He pursues us anyway. You know, at the end of, of John chapter 3, verses 34 and 35, they're kind of transition verses to get us to John 4. It says, For He whom God sent utters the words of God, for He gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Now those are just breathtaking words when you think about it because it says that God the Father sent Jesus the Son and gave Him the Holy Spirit without measure. Jesus speaks the words of the Father. Jesus is God sent. Jesus is God loved. He's God speaking. He's filled with the Holy Spirit and He's the ruler of all things. All things have been given into His hand. And that's important for us to realize because as we... Come to chapter 4, and chapter 4 begins, we're told that Jesus left Judea in the south and headed for Galilee in the north, and that He went through Samaria. 
So to arrive in Galilee, Jesus was in Judea, and he went straight through Samaria to Galilee. Now, that was the direct route. But most of the time, the Jews in that day would go from Judea, they would cross the river into Perea, go all the way up, cross the river back into Galilee. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But Jesus took this straight path right through Samaria. Because it says that John, John says that Jesus learned that the Pharisees heard he was making more disciples than John, so he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. He had to pass through Samaria, it says. Now, why did the fact that the Pharisees knew something about Jesus cause him to leave Judea? Well, you know, the connection to chapter 3 is very important because it rules out fear. Jesus has many reasons to go through Samaria and leave Judea, but the way it begins, it sounds like he's afraid that the Pharisees have learned something about him. Like maybe they're going to crush his rebellion because his popularity is rising or whatever. But in John 3, it says the Father has given all things into his hand. So nobody can touch him without his permission. Jesus is not a victim here. He's not leaving because he fears anyone. He's leaving Judea for his own purposes. He's intentional in taking this trip. It's a, it's a trip of intent. He had a, a divine impulse to go to Galilee and as he did to go through Samaria to get there. You know, the words in verse 4 say, had to. And if you look at it, you say, well, did he have to because it was geographically shorter? Is that why he had to? But that's not what it's talking about at all. Because it was possible to go to Galilee around. That wasn't the only, only path. And he wasn't going just because it was shorter. The Jews would not go through that way unless they were in a big hurry. John says he had to pass through. The circumstances forced him to go through. This was an intentional act. He kept his divine appointment. He had a divine appointment to keep with a Samaritan woman who was a serial adulteress. She'd had many husbands and she was living with a guy she wasn't married to. Jesus had an appointment to keep with her. You know, when God is doing something in, in His creation or in our lives, He's never doing just one thing, is He? He has multiple purposes. When God interacts with us or whatever He does, because of His infinite wisdom, He has... Uh, untold thousands of purposes, I'm sure. And all of those purposes he does relates to all of the th everything else he does at some point. It all relates. God is intentional in what he does. But I think in this case, Jesus had one, he had many purposes, but one specific purpose was to meet with this woman. He had to go through Samaria to get to Galilee so that he could be at this well on this particular day when this woman showed up. He had an appointment to keep with her. He intentionally sought this woman out. The creator of the universe who holds billions of galaxies together. He's holding all of creation together. He had an intentional purpose to meet with this one woman this day. He had a conversation with her and it changed her life. There's one reason to be thankful. That Jesus, just as He sought this woman out intentionally, He has intentionally sought you out in the very same way. God has been working in your life. Do you know that Jesus has sought you out in the same way He sought this woman out? He's been working in your life since before you were born. 
to construct circumstances and create situations such that when you are going to the well to get your water, He's sitting there waiting for you. He's waiting to encounter you in those moments of life, in those circumstances that you go through. He's encountered you the same way. Jesus came to earth intentionally to visit this woman. Jesus came to earth to Samaria intentionally to visit this woman. Jesus came to earth and to Samaria and to this well intentionally to visit this woman. In the same way, He has come to you intentionally. Well, that's something to be thankful for, isn't it? That He is pursuing you. Not only is Jesus, the creator of the universe who holds everything together, intentionally pursuing us, intentionally working in our circumstances, no matter what those circumstances are, they might be good, they might be bad, but He uses those to to intentionally encounter us. But He does so to have relationship with us. Because Jesus is relational. He's intentional and He's relational. In His grace and in His mercy, He pursues us. You know, in this, in this chapter, the primary relationship is between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. He's pursuing this relationship even in light of what He knows about her. In verse 18, it says, He knew that she wasn't living with the guy, or was living with the guy she wasn't married to. He already knew her junk. He already knew her stuff. And he pursued her anyway. Intentionally. Because he was gracious, and he wanted to have a personal relationship with her. He wanted her to know him. Nothing happened by accident here. Jesus knows everything about this woman, but he's seeking her salvation. His desire is for her to be in heaven. And that's what he's pursuing her for, to draw her to himself. Jesus is pursuing her, just like he ate with the tax collectors and the sinners in Luke 15. He's willing to share a drinking cup with a Samaritan woman, with an adulterous Samaritan woman, graciously pursuing a relationship with this woman, so that she might be born again. Verse 9 is is a key Um, verse here. He says, The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now to understand the depth, there's a lot behind what she just said there. To understand the depth of what she's saying, we have to understand this in context. About 720 B.C., the Assyrians uh, conquered and captured the northern kingdom of Israel. And as was the Assyrian practice, what they would do when they conquered a country is they would take that population and disperse them around their their uh, domain so as to assimilate them, to try to uh, assimilate their culture into their culture. And so the Assyrians took the majority of the Israelites and spread them throughout their culture, and then they brought foreigners into that area, that northern area called Samaria. Now, God had told Israel to not intermarry other nations. But what happened was, when those foreigners came to that area, the Israelites that were still living there, after a while, intermingled and intermarried with those 
nations, and they began to adopt their pagan practices and their religions and their cultures. God did not want them, God did not want Israel to adopt the culture and the religions of these other nations. He wanted them to worship Him and Him alone. Well, after some time, the Jews around the Assyrian kingdom began to migrate back to Israel. And so those, those Jews uh, came back, and, and so there was ethnic and racial and religious issues here that made the Jews that returned have great disdain for these Samaritans, the children that were born to these intermarriages between Israelites and other nations. And so they, the, the Samaritans, they considered them to be ceremonially unclean. They were racially impure. They were religiously heretical. And so any good Jew would avoid Samaria at all costs. They would not go through Samaria. They had great disdain and hatred for the Samaritans. And they would only go through Samaria when it was absolutely necessary. So what did Jesus do? This, this good Jew. Verses 6 to 8. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. And that literally means he was sitting on the well. Okay? It was about the sixth hour, which was noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. What did Jesus do? Well, in his grace and his mercy, he is pursuing a relationship with this woman, isn't he? You betcha. Because what he did clearly shows that. He went through Samaria. He sent his disciples away, presumably to, to buy food prepared by unclean Samaritan hands. And you ever ask yourself, why did he send them all away? I mean, come on, couldn't he have given just one or two of them a grocery list and said, you know, go buy some bread and fish and maybe some bagels or whatever? They all had to go. They were too stupid to buy it on their own. No, he sent them all away intentionally. He wanted to be alone here. He had a purpose. So he sent them all away. And then he sat on the well to be fully conspicuous and unavoidable. He couldn't miss him. He didn't stand 50 feet away. He sat right there on the well. And he asked this woman whom he knew was unclean, impure, heretical. She was an adulteress. She was a Samaritan. He asked her for a drink. Not for permission to get a drink, but for a drink from her bucket. Think about that. She says to him, hey... Hey, guy, you know, Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. More literally, she was saying Jews don't use together with Samaritans. She was saying, hey, I'm a Samaritan. You're, you can't drink out of my bucket. We, we don't do that. You need your own. You can't drink out of mine. You know, Jesus was so intent in his purpose for being there and so gracious in his relationship with this woman that he broke several centuries-old taboos to talk with her. I mean, let's think about it. He, he, being a Jew, intentionally passes through Samaria. He sits there alone in Samaria. He should be with other men there. He sat on the well. He spoke, and he didn't remain silent. He spoke to a Samaritan, and even worse than that, he spoke to a woman who was not his wife, and he spoke to an adulteress. And he asked for a drink, and not out of 
his own bucket, but he asked for a drink out of her bucket. Someone who was unclean. Think of all of the barriers that Jesus went through to get to this woman. Think of all the taboos and all of the cultural mores that he broke through to get to this woman. Had he not pursued her, she would have never had this conversation with him. Created the universe, holds it all together by his very will. Yet he intentionally came to this place at this time, broke through all those traditions. This woman would have never conversed with him. She would have never approached him. She would have never talked to him. And she would have never heard the words of life that transformed her life. And she would have been lost eternally forever. But on this day, she met the Creator. She met the Messiah. Why? Because he came to her. His intent was to have her in heaven. John 3.17 says, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The one who conceived and constructed the universe intentionally pursued a relationship with this unrighteous, unholy woman. And even when He points out her sin in verse 18, He does so in a respectful way. He doesn't condemn her or blast her in judgment. He treats her with dignity. He doesn't call her names. He doesn't speak to her in such a way as to make her feel dirty or unholy or break her character or wound her spirit. He approached her in graciousness and love. His interaction with this woman displays the dignity and value he puts on human life. Jesus loves people. Now, think about this. Reasons to be thankful. Just as He is the Creator, just as He is intentional about coming to earth to meet this woman, He came to meet you. And just as intentional and gracious and loving as He is about pursuing this woman, breaking through all the things to get to her, He's done the same thing in your life. What are the things that He's broken through to get to you? What are the circumstances that He has used to draw you to Himself? Well, that's something to be thankful for, isn't it? Because if He had not come to us, if He had not broken through all of the barriers to get to us, we would never get to Him. We'd never have a conversation with Him that would transform our lives, that we might live for His glory and live in heaven with Him someday to relate to Him forever. His desire is for you. You might be a follower of Jesus here this morning, you might not. But whoever you are, right now in this moment, Jesus Christ is pursuing you. And He's gracious towards you in love. I mean, let's think about how Jesus deals with people. You know, um, when He was dealing with, when he was on this earth, interacting with the Romans and the Jews and the Pharisees, who thought they had power who feared that He might take their power away somehow. You know, they were a, they, they, to the point that they even called Him demon-possessed. He could have destroyed them with a thought. Spoken a word and they were gone. Laser beams could have shot out of His eyes and just blasted them away. But He didn't, did He? Even when He was standing before Pilate, He says to Pilate, Hey guy, 
If I wanted to, I could speak a word and my Father would send 12 legions of angels to rescue me from your presence right now. 12 legions of angels. You know, in the Old Testament, one angel in one night killed 185,000 Assyrians. Think what 144,000 angels could have done had Jesus called them down. I mean, that's some smackdown now. That was trouble. But he didn't. Did he? No. He willingly went to the cross. He broke through. He did everything he could to pursue us, to come to us, to relate to us at a personal, day-by-day, moment level. Just as he pursued this woman, he pursues us. He respects you, believes in you, cares for you, interacts with you, and loves you the same way. I won't really have time to go to the third point, but let me just share with you what this woman said. She, said, she asked Jesus, she said, Are you greater than this well? Are you greater than this water? Our father Jacob gave us this well. Are you greater than that? And Jesus said, Listen, I am greater than that. The water I have to give you is superior to anything you could conceive. All of your ideas and all of your plans and all of your religiousness and all of the way you think you're going to get to me, what I have to offer you is greater than all of that. This living water, this gospel, this life He offers to us is greater. Some reasons to be thankful. Thanksgiving weekend, we need to remind ourselves of these things. I know we have lots of things to be thankful for. But these are some reasons to be thankful. Jesus Christ, reason number one, He created a big universe. And He created you specifically to live in it. He's your Creator. He created you to be exactly who you are. You may not like who you are. You may like who you are. You may not like the circumstances you're going through right now. You may be rejoicing in what you're going through right now. None of that matters. What matters is the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's God. And He's intimately involved in knitting you together. And He has a purpose for your life. He wants you to live for His glory. Because that's why He created you. He gives you life and We ought to thank Him for that today. And number two, not only did He create us, but He's intentional in His pursuit of us. All of the circumstances in your life, He's he's constructed such that you would be drawn to Him. Just as He was intentional about pursuing this Samaritan woman, He's intentional about uh, pursuing you. Every day and in every way, Jesus pursues you. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, or if you're not, He's pursuing you. That's a wonderful reason to be thankful. Amen? He doesn't let us just flounder on our own. On your sermon notes, there is a uh, question. I want to encourage you uh, today or this week, I want to encourage you to go home and take some time. Get, get a quiet by yourself and take some time and answer this question. Think through it. Pray through it. Uh, What are some ways Jesus has intentionally sought you out? Take some time and make a list of those ways that Jesus has intentionally sought you out and is seeking you out today. And three, not only did He create you, not only is He intentional in pursuing you, but His desire is to have a day-by-day relationship with you. He's gracious towards you. He's relational towards you. 
He treats you with respect and dignity and love and kindness and forgiveness. And most of all, He wants to connect and identify Himself with you. He's God, but He wants a relationship. He wants it to be more than just God and, and servant, master and slave. He wants it to be Jesus and brother, Jesus and sister, Jesus and friend, Jesus and the one He loves. That's something to be thankful for today. That unimaginable, undeniable, irresistible love that Jesus Christ gives to us. Another question to ask yourself this week, how has Jesus related to you personally? And how does He speak and interact with you? Make a list of those things and be thankful. Take some time this week to be quiet before Him and make a list of those things. And be thankful. And He is superior in status. He's better than the, the, he's better than the well. He's better than the temple. He's better than anything this woman could think of. Well, He's better than anything we could think of. What are some things we need to lay aside? What are those things, those religious things we're holding on to that keep a barrier between us and Him? We can lay those things aside and replace them with Jesus. And then after you've had some time to meditate and think on these things, let me encourage you to do exactly what the Samaritan woman did. After she had this encounter with Jesus and it transformed her life, this encounter that He intentionally created, that He pursued her intentionally, she encountered with Him. And what did she do? She went back to town and she told everybody about Jesus. By her testimony, many of the people in the town became followers of Jesus Christ too. The greatest gift of thankfulness you can give to Jesus Christ today is to tell somebody else about Him. Let Him use you in their life as one of those circumstances that allows Him to pursue them, that they would live for His glory also. Live for how He has created us. You know, I began with those photos of the universe and the Milky Way and the sun because I wanted to paint in your minds just how awesome and mighty and great Jesus Christ really is. Colossians says He holds all that together. And I can't even, I can't even begin to think about that. It's, it's a thought that's greater than my mind can even conceive. That's how big Jesus is. He's bigger than what I can ever think. Well, I wanted to do that so you would realize just how profound this idea that He came to you and pursued you really is. Because He didn't have to. But He wanted to. Reasons to be thankful. Reasons to be thankful. Jesus Christ, the Creator, the Lover of your soul, the gift of salvation, died on the cross, was buried and rose the third day and appeared to myriads of people before He ascended back to the Father. Reasons to be thankful. Let's pray. Jesus, I am thankful this morning. I am thankful, Lord, for You. I am thankful for Your plan, Your creation. You created all that is. Everything we know exists because You determined it to exist. Everything we're going through right now in our lives is because You are interacting with us to teach us about Yourself and to teach us about ourselves. 
I'm thankful for the gospel, Lord. I'm thankful for your plan foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before you said, let there be light, you planned to give us a way to know you personally. You created us for your glory, and I thank you for that. I pray, Lord, as we leave this place today, that we would leave with hearts of gratefulness, with attitudes of thanksgiving towards you, and that this week we would really focus some attention on these questions that we've talked about today, and that we would really come to that place where we are so truly thankful that our only motive, our only action, our only impulse as a result of that is to go tell someone else about you. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you today, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.